And for the rest of us, if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Pastor Lance read a few verses from this to open up the service. We're going to look at even more in the midst of what Jesus is telling his disciples and in this series where Jesus is making these I am statements. And today he makes a statement that he's the true vine. And this is the last of the seven statements. And just to give you a preview of next week, we are going to continue in the I Am series. Even though there's seven and we've already walked through them after today, there's still one I want to look at, and it's when Jesus simply says, I am. Nothing else after that. He just says, I am. And that will be next week. But this week as we unpack John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And before we read from this particular passage, we believe here at Faith that the Scriptures are God's Word and that He speaks to us through His Word. And so I just want to invite you to pray with me that God would prepare our hearts to receive from the Word and that God would do something special through this time together. So will you pray with me before we begin this message? Father, I thank You so much for Your Word that You speak into our hearts and lives And Father, no matter what we're walking through, good or bad or however our week has been or perhaps even however our morning has been, help us, Lord, to settle our hearts right now to hear from you. I pray against any kind of distraction, things that the enemy would want to stir up to to keep us from receiving from you. I pray against that in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Father, that you'd speak powerfully and freely today. Minister to our hearts. Minister to our lives. Help us to hear from you and respond. And we thank you for all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of what we're looking at here is straight from Jesus' mouth. And so we're going to start here in verse 1 where Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other In the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. And I will no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. You're my friends. And since I've told you everything the Father has told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my command, love each other. So as we read this passage today, there's a few things I want to look at that to me I think is worth spending some time on. The first one is Jesus talks an awful lot here about producing fruit. Now, if you're not familiar with the church, if you're not familiar with Scripture, there's a little bit of maybe confusion that could come out of this when people in the church say, are you someone who bears fruit? You look at them like, what are you talking about? A little bit of Christianese there, perhaps. I want to be someone who bears fruit. Well, what does that even mean to bear fruit? Do I go plant a tree this afternoon in my yard? These Christians talk about bearing fruit. What does that look like? What does that mean? And so in verse 2, Jesus says that the Father cuts off every branch of Jesus's that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. Hey, a couple years ago, I got a little saw happy on one of my trees in my front yard. And when we were done, it was almost like a little bit of shock factor from my wife, like maybe you got a little too carried away. Perhaps some of you can relate to this. But thankfully, the next year, the thing ended up growing, and you see all these leaves again, and it doesn't look as, if you will, scarce as it did the previous fall. And maybe you can think of some fun stories where maybe your spouse got a little chop happy and bring this thing way down. But the purpose of that is so that it will produce greater fruit in the future. It'll produce even more, as Jesus said. Here's some things we need to understand. Branches that belong to Christ, they will bear fruit. There's no doubt about it. If you're truly in Christ, if you're a part of that vine, you're going to produce fruit, and you'll also undergo some pruning in order that the fruit would increase. And sometimes that means that the fruit's not going to happen right then and there, but perhaps that pruning process will mean the fruit is greater in seasons to come. God does pruning in our life. Whether He allows certain circumstances to come through His hand to us. Look at the life of Job. God allowed all of that in His life but God produced fruit in Job's life. God will allow circumstances. He also disciplines those he loves. He prunes us so that we can be more fruitful. When you think about the fact that if anyone is truly in Christ, they're going to produce fruit. We said this to an individual that prayed to receive Christ earlier this week. I told him, the creator of all the world in six days, if he comes to live in your life, something is going to happen. The creator doesn't just show up and live in you, and then there's no change. 
There's no difference in your life. There's no fruit that's being bared. The Creator of all things shows up in your life. Something's going to happen. There's going to be a difference. And those who truly belong to Christ, they will bear fruit. Let's look a little more at some of these verses here. Verses 4 and 5. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in Me. Then in verse 5, those who remain in Me and I in them, they'll produce much fruit. Not just fruit in general, but much fruit. There's an abundance. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are My true disciples, just as He's the true vine. There's all kinds of vines. Lowercase gods out there that people serve every day. But He is the true vine. And when we're connected to the true vine, there'll be much fruit. And when we produce much fruit, we prove that we're true disciples. There are a lot of people that would claim to be Christians, but they lack fruit in their life. Verse 16, He says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So with that understanding, what is fruit? I started with that very question, and I'm talking a lot about it. What is it? What is the fruit that we're talking about? And I think there's two kinds of fruit in the life of a believer. There's internal fruit. That's the stuff that's happening personally in your heart and in your life. Your character begins to develop, and you look more and more like Christ every day that you walk and talk with Him. There's also the external fruit. That is the fruit of the kingdom. That as these things are growing in you, there's going to be things that God's going to do through you in impacting the kingdom of God. And I want to read a few things to you from gotquestions.org in regards to fruit. Let's understand what fruit is. In our lives, every word and every action is fruit from our hearts. Understand the source. It's from our hearts. Sinners sin because that's what's in their heart. Thieves steal, rapists attack, and adulterers cheat because those sins are the fruit that's being produced from an evil heart. Bad hearts produce bad fruit. So fruit is the direct result of whatever controls our hearts. The fruit of a life not surrendered to Jesus includes things like sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery and idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, and many more evil acts. The list could go on and on and on. A heart that doesn't have Christ is going to produce bad fruit. But when we repent of our sin and we receive Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, we allow Him to take the throne of our heart and take over. He changes our heart. And we go from this heart of stone, this, this evil, wicked heart, and God brings new life. And with that life should come new fruit. The fruit that's going to be produced is now good fruit. And in the passage Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and perhaps you've heard of this but if Christ is in your life these things should be flowing out of you love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and if the Holy Spirit is present in your life it's not like you get one of those 
they all come to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are really good with patience? Okay. Some of you. Maybe it comes a little more natural. But then sometimes people struggle with that, but then maybe they're really good at another one. They're gentle. But they struggle with self-control. But the presence of the Holy Spirit can bring all of these things into somebody's life. It's not just one. It's the whole basket, if you will. You get them all because of the presence of the Creator who lives inside of you. And just so you know, if God can create all the things that He did in six days at the beginning, He can create good fruit in you. He can do amazing things in the life of someone who's had their heart changed. Our attitudes, our actions, our words, our perspectives, they change as we walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And when our heart changes, the fruit changes. So that's all internal. These are things God is doing in your heart, in your life. And then it's going to lead you to do things that are going to produce fruit externally. So examples of this is you're somebody who is helping lead people to Christ. You're making disciples or you're leading lost people to Jesus. That's external fruit. You're using your gifts that God has given you to help people, to encourage people. You're loving your fellow believers and you're seeking humble ways to do good everywhere. All of these things are indication of a good heart. So as I draw to some conclusion with this, Understanding that the internal fruit must be present before any kind of external fruit. Jesus flat out said, apart from me, you can do nothing. What that tells me is that you are someone that's not producing good fruit until Jesus is entered into the equation. And there are all kinds of people in our world that you'd say probably do good things. Right? They're not blatantly evil. Okay? You can see a lot of blatantly evil things in our culture today. But you can see sometimes things that are happening where it seems like there's some, some good things happening. But understand this. If Christ is missing from the picture, it's not actually good fruit. I mean, you think about that. That means whatever I do in my life, I need to make sure that Jesus is a part of the equation. I don't want to waste my time producing fruit that will not last. Jesus says when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. I thought about that kind of an illustration this week. I'm going to just use the grocery store in Pocahontas for an example. Put in whatever grocery store you walk into on a consistent basis. But let's say you walk in and you go to where the produce section is. All your fruits and veggies. And there's absolutely nothing in that section. You'd be a little bit baffled, wouldn't you? You'd scratch your head almost and go, what kind of grocery store is this? Now think of this. If someone claims to be a Christian, but there's nothing in the produce aisle... What kind of Christian is this? Is it truly a Christian if there's no fruit? 
That's what Jesus is saying here. If you're not producing fruit, you're not my true disciples. That's kind of heavy. Makes you ask the question, am I even producing fruit in my life? Is there things happening inside of me where I'm seeing myself grow in my walk with the Lord and then through that are there things happening through me to impact the kingdom of God? Is there fruit? Because if you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, he says, there will be fruit. That is coming straight from Jesus' mouth. That's not a Pastor Russ thing or Faith Community Church wrote that and I'm trying to bring that to you, trying to convince you to become a follower of Christ. Jesus himself said that. My true followers produce fruit. If there's no fruit, there's something wrong with the heart. So what does it mean to remain in Jesus? That's my next thing I want to cover. He says this remain or this word abide ten times in about six verses. Verse 4, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Verse 9, remain in my love. Verse 10, remain in my love. You see this over and over and over again in this passage. Just as I asked a second ago, what does it mean to bear fruit? The next question I would have is, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? What does that look like? I want to look to 1 John chapter 2 for a good understanding of what it means to abide or to remain in Christ. The author of the book of John we know is the Holy Spirit that used John. And the Holy Spirit uses John again when we have 1 John. And here he says in verses 5 and 6, he says, By this we may know that we are in Him. By this. Now he's going to explain something. Whoever says he abides in him, whoever abides in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. So we've got a little definition of, if you will, the boundaries or the the description of what it means to abide in Jesus. There ought to be some things happening in our life. Our life should look like his. We should do what he did. And part of that means as a follower of Christ, we live in obedience. And if you remember last week, we broke down the uh, obedience equals love. As he talks about that in John chapter 14, obedience reveals your love for God. Well, this week, obedience reveals your connection to God. If your life is not in obedience to God and His Word, Whatever you say about your relationship and your connection with God, it can be absolutely null and void if there's no fruit. Obedience reveals your connection to God. When I think about connection, there's a couple things with this. Last night didn't get this, so this is a bonus for showing up in the morning, I guess. 
So connection to God, and, and you may actually feel like this one stings a little bit, so maybe you don't feel it's a bonus. But you think about, at all times, how far away someone's cell phone is from them. There's a constant connection there. We're reaching for our phone to see this or that or whatever came through, whatever message might have shown up, something that we missed. Is our connection to Christ stronger than our connection to a piece of plastic. Obedience is a part of that equation. And here's something to know. The longer a branch remains on the life-giving vine, the stronger it gets. That's true of, of trees. Right? You might see a new branch come out and you, know, you could almost pull it down and boom, it snaps off or those kinds of things. But over the years, you allow this thing to grow off the source, and then it's big enough you could hang a swing on it or build a treehouse on it. The same thing is true for when we log time with the Lord, the branch, you, are going to get stronger. The stronger you are, the more things that God can do in your life. And He's got great purpose for each one of the branches. But it takes that time connected to the vine. So the other little bonus story you're going to get, I'm a little embarrassed to share this one. Some of you are like leaning in now, like, oh, yeah, this is, yes, we love these. Okay, so yesterday I was helping my father winterize his boat. And I hooked up to this thing, and I was going to take it to fill it up at the local gas station. I'm basically driving city blocks here, folks. I hooked this thing up, but I didn't hook up the chains. Okay? Shame on you, Russell. You can probably see where this is going. So I have to cross a railroad track to kind of get where I need to go. The bouncing of the railroad track followed by a steep hill popped the trailer off, and the next thing I know I'm looking over and there's the boat <laughs> next to me gliding off down into a ditch and there was a telephone pole and wires off that pole, and I'm just thinking that could definitely run into it. It's like a slow motion horror film. <laughs> you know, you can just see where this is going, and this thing just slid right down in, missed the pole, the cable, just kind of came to a, a stop there on this steep hill. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> I just kept driving, right? Like, I don't know who that was, right? <laughs> And of course, you know, when stuff like that happens, you'd think this is when everybody in the town of Manson's going to stop by and check up on me, you know? <laughs> right? Thankfully, I didn't have that embarrassing moment. I just picked up the phone and called my dad and explained what just happened. And thankfully, there was no damage and nothing like that happened. But I'm thinking, how am I going to lift this thing up when it's already at a, an angle? Anytime you try to lift this up, it's just going to come at you and... So we're trying to figure that all out. And, you know, God provided somebody that lived in that neck of the woods. They just came out, like, almost out of nowhere. I didn't even see them coming. They just walked from their place down to where my dad and I, could you use a hand? It's like, yes, I could. Okay? But you can see that when the connection's broken, things can happen. Things that feel a little bit out of control. And that connection with Christ is so important. And if that connection's not there, you can feel helpless 
in a world that's constantly throwing things at people, not to mention an enemy who wants to take you out. That connection with the Lord is important. The phrase abiding in Christ gives us a picture of this intimate and close relationship. It's not just a superficial acquaintance. Yeah, I know that person. God desires a very deep, deep relationship with His creation. And to abide in Him means we've got that connection. There's that deep relationship. And Jesus even begins to break this down a little bit further in this last portion about friendship. Here's three verses, 13, 14, and 15. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Who do you think Jesus is talking about there? Himself. He's about to lay his life down. And he's referring to those who are with them as his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. He also again in verse 15, now you are my friends. But hanging on verse 14, you're my friends if you do what I command. It almost sounds like we've got a little bit of that obedience thing again. It's coming back around. Again, last week, obedience reveals your love for God. This week, obedience reveals your desire for friendship with God. He says, those who do what I command, they're my friends. Do you want to be a friend of God? He wants to be your friend. But there's a, if you will, a, two sides to this. Do you desire that connection, that friendship? You know, God desires friendship even in the midst of people who are not living according to His Word. In the face of rebellion, Jesus desires that intimacy. Go with me for a second to Matthew 26. This will also be on the screen. But I want to give you the context of this before we read the verses. One of the disciples by the name of Judas, he's betrayed Jesus. He's gone to these religious leaders and he has these individuals out to go get him and arrest him. To then begin this process of torturing Jesus and even taking his life. But Judas was the one to lead this crowd to Jesus. And look what happens here. It says the traitor, which right there already tells you that rebellion has happened. He's living in opposition to godliness. The traitor Judas had given them, that is those that were coming to arrest Jesus, he gave them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him the kiss. Then look at verse 50. This is Jesus' response to one who rebelled and turned his back on him. Jesus said, My friend, 
my friend. Go ahead and do what you've come for. What do you think was going through Judas's mind in that moment? This is the man that calls me his friend. And I've betrayed him. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You're not any better than Judas. But by the grace of God, he's come into your life and he's done amazing things. And while all of us probably aren't like Judas per se in some of the actions and the decisions we've made, I hope not, but sometimes there's things that can happen in our own life, even as we desire to live for God, there's things that can take place that we can fall short or even neglect our relationship with Christ. And let me just give you an example. Perhaps this might include you. It includes me. Oftentimes we come to God in prayer with a to-do list. God, can you please move upon this situation? God, can you please do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? We have all of these requests. And the Bible says, let your requests be made known. Those are things we should be doing. Okay? The Bible also says, you have not because you ask not. So we know it's important to ask God to help us with things. But could you imagine a relationship where if all it was a majority of the time was just simply asking you to do favors? Wouldn't that kind of be exhausting after a while? Like every time you came up to me in church, I'd say, hey, good to see you. By the way, there's this, 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 and this, and, and then this. Oh, and this. Hey, you get the idea. That's kind of an odd relationship. Do you ever think in the midst of all of that, God's thinking, do you want to just spend some time with me? Did you know that I've designed this relationship to be like a friendship? Have you ever thought about that? He wants to be my friend? And that can seem so foreign. Because he's so big and I'm like this. But that's what makes it even more inspiring. Is that God wants to be each of our friends. He wants that close, intimate relationship. So as we close this morning, I have just a few questions. The first is, how might the Holy Spirit be speaking to your heart today? Are there things that were drawn out in this message that God might be speaking into your life? I want to encourage you not only to listen to what that is, but to apply it. Act on whatever the Spirit's saying. A few more questions I wrote down is, are you producing fruit? Is there fruit in your life? Another one is this, are you even connected to the vine? Jesus says that those who are not producing fruit, they're cut off and they're thrown away gathered to be burned. The seriousness 
of those who walk through life without Christ is that when they take their final breath here on this earth, eternity in hell awaits. And Jesus doesn't want that for their life. He wants them to be connected to the vine. Another question is how strong is your relationship with Jesus? Would you call it a friendship? Are you that close and that intimate with him? He's inviting you into that. He wants to be a part of your life. We talked at men's supper the other night. You can pray and do your devos in the morning, but if you leave all of that back at the breakfast table or the desk or wherever you did your devotions and then you go throughout your day without acknowledging that he is still with you, you're missing the point that this is a relationship. It's not about the boxes that you can check. God doesn't want to just meet with you here right now in the pew or watching this online. He wants to be involved in your life on a very consistent, everyday, every moment basis. That's a relationship. That's what he's designed and intended it to be. Will you bow your heads as we close in prayer? Father, I thank you so much that you desire a relationship with us so much that you sent your son Jesus to pay the penalty and the price for the sin that separated us from you. And with his death on the cross, he paid the price. And with his resurrection, it proves that that payment paid it all in full. And we can have a relationship with you when we receive you by grace through faith. Perhaps there's someone listening right now that that question of are you connected to the vine? Maybe you can't think of a moment in your life when you prayed to receive the life that Jesus can bring. If you desire that today, I want to lead you in this prayer. Just pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. And I ask that you'd forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me and make me a new person. Connect me to the vine and that I can be a branch that produces great fruit. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me hope and a future. Today I receive this gift of salvation and this new life in Christ by grace through faith. Thank you for saving me. And Father, as we all are in reflection and prayer right now, I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to be people who bear fruit, to be people who remain in you and that connection to you, to not only walk in light of salvation, but to walk in light of the relationship that's ongoing every day. Thank you that you call us friends. We want to bless your name. 
thank you for all that you're doing right here and right now in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps there's someone listening right now that prayed with me to receive Christ and make that connection to the vine that gives life. If that was you, I want to encourage you to take a look at this resource that we have here at the church called Now What? And you can get this resource at the welcome desk and also back at the guest table. And if you're watching online, if you follow the link that you see there on the screen, you can go to faithccpalmer.org forward slash now dash what. This also comes with a free Bible as we want to get the Word of God into your hands. And you can request that online if you also follow that link.